So uh, Genesis 45, 16. Now, uh, we, we know that last week we, we went from, all the way from Genesis 42, uh, 43, 44, and we got halfway through 45. And uh, so we're going to pick up here. But uh, basically, those three and a half chapters that we went through, um, we weren't even really on fast forward. It was, it's just uh, explaining everything that happened when Joseph's brothers finally show up in the middle of the famine, you know, not even the middle, in the beginning of the famine uh, that had spread even to the land of Canaan. And so uh, they get sent by their father, Jacob, uh, to, um, to Egypt and their brother that they had sold into slavery and uh, through many different uh, avenues uh, ended up being promoted to the governor of all the land of Egypt and they didn't recognize him. So when they would come uh, to uh, Joseph, they would, uh, they, they, uh, he recognized them. They didn't recognize him. It says, so when uh, they're having their discussions, they don't think Joseph can understand because they're speaking through an interpreter. And so they don't think they can, uh, he can understand. And he hears them talking about, wow, you know, because what he did is he, what he wanted to do was, uh, get some leverage in the situation, and, and we see that throughout the situation, uh, he wanted his his younger brother to come. So he didn't want to just give him all grain and, and not see him again. So he keeps uh, throws them all in prison for three days, uh, and then he ends up keeping Simeon back. You guys remember, right? And uh, they go back and they tell their dad, saying, "Hey, he knows you have a younger son, and uh, we have to bring him also." And Jacob's like, "That's not happening." So the, the, the matter was kind of dead at that point. Simeon kind of gets left behind and, you know, left down in Egypt. And, and uh, after a while, they start running out of grain. So Jacob goes to uh, uh, his sons and says, go get me some more uh, grain. And they're like, we're not going without Benjamin. They're not, it's, it's not going to work. Uh, he won't see us. And if he won't see us, we're not going to be able to get what we need. So they convince uh, Jacob, who had already lost one son, who he thought was torn pieces, uh, to let them have the younger son. Uh, and uh, this is uh, uh, Joseph's little brother, Benjamin. Uh, they both shared uh, Rachel as their mother. So uh, finally they go back, and when they come back, uh, Joseph uh, continues on uh, with not letting them know who he is. And uh, eventually it gets to the point where he loads up all their uh, their sacks uh, of with, with food and um and then takes his his special silver cup and puts it in Benjamin's cup, right? And then they get going, and he sends his servants saying, "Hey, go get those guys, arrest them, and bring them back." So when they bring them back, they they had found uh, on the way that uh, that the cup was in Benjamin's uh, sack. Now the problem was they said, "Well, let that person die." And uh, so there there's just a lot happening here, and you know brothers are sticking up for brothers, saying, "Hey, you know what? Let me step in." And, and all these things. And finally, Joseph says, I am Joseph. And, and they're awestruck, right? They, they don't know what to think. They're like, wait a minute. Now he's speaking to us in our language, kicks everybody out and says, and then he repeats it like, I'm Joseph, your brother, who you sold into slavery into Egypt. And he just, he calms them because he knows they're immediately terrified, you know, because he had the power to have them executed. No questions would have been asked. And, uh, but he goes and he tells him, do not be afraid. And he, he's explaining to them that God put him there. Even though they had done this wicked thing to him, God had sent Joseph 
to fulfill the dream, the prophetic dream that Joseph was given by God before all this happened, uh, that, that his brothers would bow down to him and that all of his family would end up bowing down to him. You guys remember that? We've discussed it. And Joseph has to calm them and say, look, I just want to know, is my, is my dad okay? Is my father, is he doing well and everything? Because he can't trust what they say, right? <laughs> I mean, last time he was dealing with them, they threw him in a pit and then sold him off to Ishmaelite traders. You know, they, they hadn't really necessarily uh, gained his trust. So uh, he, he wanted to, you know, he's like, how's my dad doing and everything? And then they have this reunion. And uh, finally, they send them back. And uh, when they get back there, now Pharaoh even said, no, you know, I'm commanding you, go get your family and bring them here. And that's where we, we pick up here in uh, verse 16. Now, the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load your animals and depart, go to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your households, house, uh, and your households, and come to me. I give, I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat of the fat of the land. Now you are commanded: do this. Take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives. Bring your father and come. Also, do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of the land of Egypt is yours. So uh, as the, the story progresses, this is where we find ourselves. And Joseph had special permission uh, uh, from Pharaoh because he had a special place in Pharaoh's heart. And God had given him favor in Pharaoh's eyes. I know I've brought this up before, but uh, it might sound familiar if you look back in, into, well, look forward really from here, but for us in time looking back, uh, into Nehemiah. And Nehemiah going before Artaxerxes and uh, saying, you know, when he took his life into his own hands just by showing emotion. And then when he brings up the fact that he wanted to go back and rebuild Jerusalem and the walls of Jerusalem, uh, not only did he uh, get he got permission, he got protection, he got provision. All of those things were provided by God through King Artaxerxes. I mean, you're talking about all the wood they needed, a security detail. They had everything they needed. Permission, written permission to go back and do that. That is God working through pagans to give them what they need. It's the same happening here. God is, has given them a position of, of uh, a special position in Pharaoh's uh, life uh, for, for Joseph. And, and uh, so much so that he trusted Joseph with everything. And it pleased him to hear that Joseph's family uh, was uh, his brothers were around. So Pharaoh, uh, you know, brings them. Uh, he speaks to uh, what's happening here. And through Pharaoh, we see God providing for Joseph's family uh, to go to Egypt and be provided for in the severe famine. There's still five years left. They're already in dire straits after two. So, you know, with five more years coming, things aren't going to get better. So uh, they uh, are, this is offered and not only offered, but commanded. By Pharaoh. Pharaoh commands. It says that in verse 19, he says, now you are commanded, do this. Now, Pharaoh was considered to be uh, raw in the flesh. You know, so it, the people of, of Egypt worshipped him. He was a, a worshipped being. 
so they they would uh, not question him. The the sun god Ra. Uh, that's who who they they thought that was. Uh, you know, the, for the pharaoh, and they would have been afraid uh, to not do anything. Now, not necessarily these guys, but everybody else in Egypt uh, would have been afraid uh, to uh, disregard what Pharaoh says. So there's a uh, there's a a lesson for us that I believe uh, the Lord put on my heart to share is, you know, God can use people and circumstances around us for our good. Uh, he was not a godly man. Pharaoh was not a godly man. He recognized that the, that Joseph's God uh, was powerful and, and that he was able to uh, interpret dreams, but it wasn't like he's a Christian and he's all on the, the Christian trail uh, before the days of actual Christianity. But, um, this is this is an ungodly man, and uh, God uh, used him in a powerful way. Uh, now, uh, that can also lead for somebody to make stupid decisions, like, oh, in the bad circumstances and everything, God's just going to work it out anyway, so I'm just going to go do what I want to do. Um, I know the crew here, and I know you guys understand that the Scripture doesn't tell that to us. But uh, you know, some may think that, oh, well, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a bar ministry and I'm going to start going into bars and I'm going to go do that or I'm going to go into a strip club. No, those are bad places for a believer to be, right? And I, I don't mean to be crass with that, but really, like, think of how stupid it would be, right? Because you're setting yourself up for failure. We're setting ourselves up to fail, to fall. And if we don't think we can fail, guess what? <laughs> We're human. Where the, the scripture tells us, take heed lest you fall. You think you're standing. It tells us that for a reason. There are certain things that we don't go back to. We don't we don't go to and say, well, you know what? You know, this happened in Joseph's life and, and God made it all work and everything. I'm just going to go do all these things. I'm just going to submit that I believe a lot of that would be pride. I'm the strong one. I'm this and that. No, God has called us out of those things. Yes, if we, I mean, yeah, minister to people uh, that we know are, 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 are participating in, in sinful uh, situations. Yes, absolutely. We don't, we don't want to act like an elitist and say, well, you know, uh, uh, now that I've been saved, you're, you're unclean and I can't minister to you. No, but we're not, we are called out of those things, away from those things. And uh, so just uh, just a word to share, you know, this what was happening here was specifically orchestrated by God, even by the mouth of Joseph saying that, hey, guys, all of this happened so that God would use me to provide for you and your families. <clears throat> we don't go and say, well, I'm going to put myself in this situation. I'm going to do this, this and this that I know are sinful things to do, but I'm going to do them with a with a, a, a spirit. No. God, God's not calling us to go participate in sin. It's not what he's calling us to do. Joseph found himself in Egypt because that's where the Lord led him. You know, for us, we are to make wise choices in where we are and what we're doing. Those things that we uh, are uh, allowing uh, into our lives should change after we've come to the Lord. That we wouldn't sit there and go, oh, well, this happened there, and uh, so this is going to be a cloak that I can wear, and, and everything's good. Um, so that's not the case. Just wanted to share that. Now, verse 20, it says, do not worry about your things. <laughs> Don't worry about your stuff. Just leave it all there. You're not going to need anything. What Pharaoh is saying is you're going to be so provided for that you're not going to need any of your stuff there. Just just come. You don't just 
you guys and your livestock and everything, you guys get on the carts, come here. We're going to take care of all. You could just leave it. Somebody else can have it. Whatever it is, you don't need it. For us, leaving our stuff behind can be very difficult, right? <clears throat> I like I like that they were called, don't worry about your goods. Don't worry about your stuff. But we do. We need to give it to the Lord and say, what do, what do you want me to have in my life? What do you? How do you want me to move through this life? So Pharaoh tells them he's going to give them the best of the land of Egypt, Goshen, and uh, that they're going to eat uh, from the fat of the land. And what we're seeing as we're reading this is, you know, God's grace is ensuring that these people are more than provided for. These guys didn't deserve any of this. Nothing. Like these guys were straight up murderers in their hearts. They just didn't do it, right? That's, you know, when Jesus taught us, you know, about sin in our heart. If we do it in our heart, we've actually done it, right? Like these guys were wanting to do it, but they just got outvoted is really what happened. You know, outvoted or just persuaded not to kill him. And uh, by the grace of God, they were saved out of death that was coming because they were going to starve to death and brought into provision by the Lord. You know, that's God's grace covering them. Now, remember God's promise to Jacob, right, to bring them and that they would end up bowing down to him in the, the dream. And look what happened. Uh, excuse me, to Joseph. I said Jacob. I just realized it. But there also was a promise to Joseph, to Jacob, wasn't there? The Abrahamic covenant being passed down that was from Abraham and then to Isaac and now to Jacob. That God was going to bless them and multiply them and that all the families of the earth, earth would be blessed through them. Now, if they would have stayed in Canaan, they would have died. But this is God's provision taking care of them. Verse 21. Then the sons of Israel did so. They were commanded to, to go, so they did so, and Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave to all of them, each, each, uh, to each man, changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. And he sent to his father these things, ten donkeys loaded with the good things, of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread and food for his father for the journey. So he sent his brothers away and they departed and he said to them, see that you do not become troubled along the way. So in obedience to Pharaoh's command, Joseph provides the carts and donkeys with good things that they needed and he gives them all clothing. But to Benjamin, his little brother that all these years had been stolen from him, uh, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five uh, changes of clothes. These are like really good clothes. Uh, you guys ever look like when you're buying sheets? It's like Egyptian cotton. You know, it's the, that, just think that's, you know, over time, uh, now I don't know, that might have all died and, and whatever, but, but these guys have everything that they needed, <coughs> excuse me, already, and then they're given new clothing. And Benjamin five changes of clothes, 300 pieces of silver, because that's his little brother, and he can do it. What I like is there's no record here of these guys being, how come he gets five? No, you guys just shut your mouth, right? Maybe if someone was going to ask, maybe one of the older brothers is like, be quiet, right? <laughs> you shut your mouth. We're, we're getting more than we deserve already. Let's just be quiet. You guys ever, uh, you know, those, uh, as kids, you're going to argue. Well, 
I, I remember as kid, we were we were a little spoiled, and uh, we would always count the presents at Christmas time, right? <laughs> and uh, and oh, oh well, the, you know, this one got more, and we'd get mad, like how come they got more presents than we did? Because we're little selfish kids, that's why, right? And, and that's why we noticed it. You know, and our, our parents, you know, they they blessed us, and you know, of course, we're uh, just now nothing's enough, right? We could have gotten all kinds of scooters or whatever it was, but it was that selfishness there. But this is all about him blessing his brothers. Hey, you know what? I love you guys. I know what happened happened, but God was moving. God was doing something, and and you know what? Here's a nice set of clothes for all of you. Benjamin gets five. Now he says, don't become troubled along the way. Uh, they were sent and uh, they were uh, to go do what they were told to do. And he's telling them, don't start worrying about things and get distracted. Don't, uh, you know, don't get, might have been scared. You know what I mean? They might have like finally gotten away. Okay, we're, we're, we're gone, right? Then maybe, maybe he really is going to, when we get back there, we don't know. I don't want to get extra biblical with my, with my own opinion, but just think of why he would have said that. You know, don't 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 get all distracted. You know, this is this is what you're supposed to do. When when he said to them, uh, see that you do not become troubled along the way. You don't become troubled along the way. What would they get troubled about? They got a lot on their hearts, right? Remember how broken they were, and they were like, God is bringing this up, and they're they constantly saying, God is judging us. This we didn't get this by God because of what we did to Joseph and all those things. And he says, see that you don't get troubled. Because when they get scared, would, have you guys ever made bad decisions and stupid decisions when you're scared, right? We can we can do the wrong thing and someone like I remember there were there were times when I'd get in trouble as a kid and and uh, and my parents would just say, well, why didn't you just tell us? And I, I did this with my kid. Why didn't you just tell us? Because I was afraid of this or whatever, and it, it makes it harder. Uh, but you know, he just tells them, hey, you know what? Just go do what you're told to do and come back. Don't get troubled. Don't don't get weighed down. Don't start fighting amongst each other. Whatever that meant, whatever that troubled meant. Uh, when I looked up the Greek word and everything, it didn't offer me anything really cool to uh, to dive into. So you know, it, it is what it says, and, uh, and we're just going to keep moving from there. But there was the 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 reminder from Joseph: Don't get troubled along the way. Verse twenty five. Then they went up out of G out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their to Jacob, their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is alive, and he is governor of the land of Egypt. And Joseph's, uh, Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, when he saw the carts which Joseph had se uh, sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go see him before I die. Now, you know, Jacob gets the greatest news he could ever imagine. His son that he thought was torn apart by beasts is still alive. And, uh, you know, he's he not only is he still alive and, you know, he might be like, you know, living in a cave somewhere. or He might have a, a quaint little home in the woods somewhere or whatever. But he's now the governor of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world. And uh, so they are uh, at the point where he hears this and he goes into shock. And he can't believe it. And they're like, Dad? <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they're probably like waving their hands. 
and and he can't he can't talk. It's it's almost like he can't. Uh, it says that he he his heart stood still uh, because he couldn't believe that. Think of what they had told him for so many years. This man thought that son was dead. I listened to Joe Foch teach this, and he was talking about a young man that as, now I hope I don't mess up the story, but was saved from the Holocaust as a little boy, saved from the Holocaust, and raised by adoptive parents. And uh, when he grew up, he became a Jewish rabbi and was on a flight. And while he's on the flight, he's, he's sitting next to uh, an older gentleman, and they strike up a conversation as they're eating. Uh, the Jewish rabbi had taken a kosher meal, and the guy next to him is eating sausage and eggs. And those they're both Jewish, uh, but uh, sausage isn't uh, a thing that it's not a kosher meal. So they have a small discussion, and, and he's like, you know, probably shouldn't really eat uh, the, the 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 sausage. And he's like, well, since I lost my son to the Holocaust, I eat what I want to. But they had a good conversation, and uh, they departed each other on the uh, after the plane. And then this rabbi uh, felt bad that he didn't get the um, uh, the phone number of the gentleman sitting next to him. Years go by; I think it was two years went by, and this was this was from uh, an, an uh, Israeli newspaper, and uh, and I can't remember what it was. It was like Jerusalem Times or something. I can't remember. Uh, but Joe is uh, Joe had his wife type all this out. So um, he's reading the story, and uh, two years later, um, the rabbi goes to a um, Holocaust museum, and they're they're having a, a day of remembrance there. And uh, he sees a familiar person, and uh, he's like, "That can't be the guy, right?" So he goes over and he says. I, I don't know if you remember me, but a couple of years ago we were on the flight next to each other, and the guy says, "I still eat sausage," you know, and and so they get talking, and and he and uh, he's like, "I I still eat sausage," and he's like, "Well, do you want to come come with me?" And and they were going to do a tour through uh, one of the camps, and he's like, "I can't I can't go through the camps." So they not since my you know that's where my son died, and I'm I'm not going there, and um. So they're having this discussion, and uh, the guy's like, I didn't get your name last time. What is your name? And, and the guy starts crying, uh, and he says, I, I haven't said my name since my, my son died. And uh, he says his name was Tati. I think that was how, the, how he pronounced it, and it meant, it meant daddy. And the, the rabbi looks and he goes, that's what my uh, adoptive parents told me that my dad, I would call my dad. It was his son. It was his son. Guys, I heard that this morning. I was crying on my way to way to work. This is this is like a true story. This isn't something just made up. God reunited them. God reunited them. And it's just one of those it's incredibly powerful. Now they live together. And I don't know, that might have been a 20-year-old article. I don't know when that that teaching was was recorded. But God reunited them. No, he's now on a kosher diet. Yeah, they did, they did say that. And my dad no longer eats sausage, the guy wrote, or something like that. But Joe, Jacob is in shock. He thought his son was gone forever. He finds out, and they're like, no, dad, you got to listen. 
I imagine at some point he looks at his sons and goes, I thought you told me this. I'm sure they had the heart-to-heart conversation and uh, that, that that turned into an interesting excuse me, conversation at one point. But you know, his spirit then gets revived, it says, when he heard everything. The son that he had made a, a special tunic for, that he had trusted the family business with, uh, he was alive. And uh, now uh, there's... Uh, He's saying, you know, my son's alive. I'm going to go see him before I die. And there's nothing stopping him or slowing him down. We'll learn here coming up as we read. He's 130 years old. (laughs) This is an old man. And he just found out that his son is is now alive. At first he's in shock. Then he sees and he's reassured. No, really, Dad, he's alive. And he says, all right, we're packing up. We're going. Verse 1 of 46. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Now, Beersheba might sound familiar. Abraham had made a treaty with Abimelech there, and Abimelech was the king of the Philistines. And they had made a treaty, and after they made the treaty, uh, Abraham confronted the king. You guys probably remember this from when we studied through it. Confronted the king's servants and um a king over what his servants had done, and uh, they had taken over the well and filled it up. And uh, so Abraham uh, says, "Well, what are you doing here? You know, I thought we were we were friends and all these things." And Abimelech says, "I didn't know they did that." So then, at this point, Abraham gives the king seven ewe lambs uh, to seal a covenant. And uh, the name Beersheba means "well of the sevenfold oath" or "well of the treaty." So when you think of Beersheba, if you remember that name, that's why, because as we've studied through, uh, it's probably sounding pretty familiar to you. So Isaac, in Genesis 26, went to Beersheba, and uh, after opening up the wells that after uh, some more time had passed, the Philistines had filled. So uh, apparently they just found wells and filled them in because they didn't want competition. And uh, they're, they're filling in. Uh, this, uh, all these uh, things, and when uh, Isaac gets to Beersheba years later, uh, he had moved uh, through the land of the Philistines because of famine, and it says in verses 23 and 24 that the Lord visited Isaac at Beersheba and passed along the Abrahamic covenant uh, to Isaac. It just explains that. I wasn't reading what those verses say, but uh, so this was a massive promise from God that was handed down from Abraham to Isaac. So, and it was at Beersheba. Genesis uh, 26, uh, verses 23 and 24, I, I, I did have there. I don't know if they're up yet. It says, Then he uh, went up from there to Beersheba. Let's talk about Isaac. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your, your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you, and I will multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So when he's at Beersheba, uh, he uh, is blessed by the Lord. The Lord visits him and speaks to him uh, and uh, tells him uh, to not fear and that he's with him. And uh, he built an altar and worshiped the Lord there now uh, at that at that point, uh, just as Abraham did. So Abraham worshiped the Lord there. Isaac worshiped the Lord there. So it's a family tradition of worship in that place. Uh, it made me think of... Now, consider, before I get into that, consider Jacob. He's now 
worshiping the Lord in the same place that his grandfather did, that his father did. And uh, consider spiritual legacies that can be handed down and faith that can be handed down. Remember in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul is addressing the faith that is in Timothy. And he says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded and I'm persuaded is in you also. That faith that had been brought down from his grandmother to his mother to Timothy. This faith that we see Jacob practicing had been had come from his grandfather to his father. And now he is in the same physical place that his grandfather was and that his father was doing a spiritual thing. Now, as... Uh, as we all know, I think, I, I don't think it's a shock to anybody that bad legacies can be passed down through families, right? My dad acted like this. My dad did this. My mom did this. So I picked it up and then, and then they move forward and then they're doing that to their children. Maybe they were abusive. Maybe they had a bad anger problem. Maybe they had, uh, you know, all, all these types of things that you can put anything in there that, that, that comes to mind. Well, it's just it's just passed down. Unfortunately, behaviors do get passed down, right? They can they can get learned by somebody else. I saw this happening. And I remember Will teaching us this and he said what you do in moderation your kids will do in excess. And that stuck with me. What you do in moderation your kids will do in excess. I was like, "Whoa. <laughs> oh my goodness." Well, we're going to come to church, hopefully in excess. And what do our kids do? You know, hopefully, you know what I mean? It was one of those things like, I don't want my, yes, I, I, I hope our kids, uh, you know, are growing in uh, the, the knowledge of the Lord and, and, and uh, love and, and uh, their relationship with the Lord is blessed. I hope they're getting the good things that they're carrying on. But I don't want to carry on the bad things that, that, that they might have learned from uh, me along the way, whatever they might have been, whatever failure uh, that they saw in our lives. You know, my wife and I don't swear, so they're not picking up those things. But it, it might be my, I told you guys, my uh, my immediate breaking story and, and, and me getting angry at somebody in front of me and Ashley saying the same thing I did, right? And I'm like, wait a minute. It wasn't a, like an all-out swear but or anything, but it was enough to be like, wait a minute. She's listening to everything I'm doing. We're being watched. We're being studied by those around us. What are we reflecting? What are what are our children? What are uh, those family members around us? What are what are they seeing? What are they uh, going to uh, to pick up? You know, hopefully we uh, are, if there are bad cycles that that we grew up in with, as kids, and I know many of my uh, closest friends in life have grown up in pretty rough situations in their lives. Rough. I mean, rough. You know, a lot of them didn't even graduate high school, you know, didn't uh, may have may not have even lived with parents uh, even very long after they just said, you know, when you think of those things and then you know, that cycle, you know, does it get broken or does it continue? And I've seen both sides of it. I've seen it when, when people have have met the Lord and they've come and they've they've been changed by God and there's a whole new cycle starting. 
a godly one, a, a godly legacy that's being passed along. But then I've also seen the tragedy go from what, oh, you know what? I remember that person's mom or their dad, and they're just doing what they saw happen in their house every day. It was normal for them. It's not normal for society. It shouldn't be, but more society changes and uh, is continuing to spiral down. Those things are now becoming less shocking, uh, and uh, it, it's it's scary stuff. So what we see Jacob doing goes to the same place, comes to that same spot that Abraham did, that Isaac did. And when he's there, I wonder if Isaac's uh, altar was still there. Don't know. But he's there and he worships the Lord because the Lord spoke to him, as we see here in, in verse 2. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said to him, here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also, and I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. So God meets with Jacob. He'd already had multiple times of meeting, remember, Jacob's ladder. And then when Jacob's going back home, he meets with God again. Uh, so here's another encounter with the Lord. And what does the Lord say to him? Jacob, Jacob, and says, here I am. He tells him who he is and what is the first thing he says after identifying who he is. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation. The promise still remained. The promise hadn't changed. Even though you're now in uh, Canaan and you're facing a famine and everything, you might be a little bit nervous and implied by God telling him not to fear, right? There's some fear there. Even though he knows his son is, is the governor of Egypt, there's still some fear going on in his heart because God is addressing that fear. And we can look at, at, at the words here. And, and God says that I'm going to make you a great nation. He uh, assures him that he's still going to make him a great nation, and as God had already promised. And he says, you know, do not fear, and uh, they're going to be there for a while. And if you're familiar with the, with the scripture here, we know they're going to be there 400 years. It's a long time that they're there. But God told them, told him, you know, don't worry, I'm going to do these things. You know, the most comforting words that we, I believe, that we can hear uh, from God is, I'm going with you. I will go with you. To me, that's like, if I mean, think about it. You're facing the darkest of circumstances. If you're facing the, the, like the biggest of giants you've ever faced in your life, but God ministers to you and speaks to our hearts and says, do not fear, I'm going with you. I mean, then we have the confidence we can move forward there. What does God say to him here in verse 4? I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his hands on your eyes. Do not fear. I will go with you. <laughs> I mean, I, there, there's, there's never uh, a, a greater uh, assurance of, hey, I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, even facing that. You know, I will not fear, for you are with me, right? Psalm 23 tells us that. You know, the Lord is ministering to him because he's afraid. And God God uh, is telling him, he's going to, I will go down with you. God with him. Remember Emmanuel? God with us. 
Jesus, Jesus, that's one of the names for Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. That he's with us. Oh, I will bring you up again. Now, when he says, I will surely bring you up again, uh, Joseph won't be alive. But his, his body's not going to stay there. His bones aren't going to stay there. And Joseph will put his hands on your eyes to close them after. You guys have seen that in movies, you know, when someone passes away. But Joseph is going to be the one to close your eyes. You haven't seen this, your son in so long. That son you haven't seen in so long, he's going to be the, the, the one that you see last. And he's going to close your eyes. I mean, what a promise from God. I mean, he is so good. Our God is so, so good. You know, this man, 130 years old, to pack up and leave. You know, there's a lot of, I don't know about you guys, the older I get, the more, like, comfortable I get. You, you, they, they say, I don't want to say necessarily set in your ways, but I'm a little less like, hey, let's go conquer the world. I'm, I'm, I'm more like, hey, I'd rather just, like, sit and relax. You know, when we've talked to our kids about going on vacation, you know, they want to go like, hey, we want to go to this theme park and everything. I'm like, I want to sit on a beach and stare at waves, you know, <laughs> you know, because our, you know, as we get older, our, our mindset changes and everything. And, and uh, to move, uh, you know, think of think of uh, you get more attached to things sometimes. And jo Jacob's being called away and they've got to pack everybody up, his whole family, which we're going to see are 66 people that come out of here. He's got to get everybody, and they're moving. They, he'd never seen anything, but he knows that he's going to see his son, and then God just said, I'm with you, and, and Joseph's going to close your eyes. I mean, so he's, he's ready to go. Verse 5, then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones, their wives, and the carts which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. So they took their livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan and went to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him, his sons and his sons' sons, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. So it's, uh, as we had just talked about, it's awful late to kind of start over in a new place, but he's moving forward. It said when he heard from the Lord that he was going with him, don't fear. Uh, I've got everything under control. Uh, you're going to see Joseph. He's going to close your eyes, and you're not going to stay there either. You're, you're going to leave eventually. And um, he, uh, uh, Jacob knew that God was with him, and uh, there was uncertainty there, but it's overcome by faith. You know, as we're called to uh, changes that we might not be comfortable with, the, uh, things that may be scary for us. If we know the Lord is calling us and we know he said, God doesn't call us and be like, hey, I'm going to totally and completely abandon you once you've uh, you've obeyed me. That's not how he works, right? He just, here is Jacob following the Lord, being obedient to what he's being told. And he is uh, by faith uh, following the Lord and uh, being um, obedient. So he's looking forward to seeing Joseph and his family. Now, Verses 8 through 26, I'm going to summarize here uh, so you don't have to hear me stumble through a bunch of names. But uh, verse 8 says, Now these were the names of the children of Israel, Jacob and his sons, who went to Egypt. Reuben and, uh, was Jacob's firstborn. So Reuben's sons, verse 10 says, Simeon and his family, the sons of Levi, the sons of Judah. Uh, we learned about Ur and Onan, didn't we? Yep. And uh, uh, 
let me see, they died in the land of Canaan. Uh, the sons of Perez, the sons of Issachar, Issachar and his sons, verse 14, Zebulun uh, and his family. Uh, then it says in verse 15, these were the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob and Padnaram with his daughter Dinah. All the persons and his sons and daughters were 33. Then it moves on, so there's 33 there. Uh, then the sons, uh, then Gad and his sons, verse 17, uh, Asher and his family, uh, verse, uh, and then it's uh, explaining uh, all the way down to verse 19. Uh, we'll go to 18. Uh, these were the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban uh, gave to Leah, his daughter. And these she bore to Jacob 16 persons. The sons of Rachel, Jacob's wives, were Joseph and Benjamin. And it lists, uh, you know, Joseph was in the land of Egypt where Manasseh and Ephraim were born. Remember, uh, Pharaoh gave him a wife and he had those uh, two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Benjamin had a bunch of kids, uh, verse 21. Uh, so Benjamin and, and his kids, and then it goes uh, in 22. It says, these were the sons of Rachel who were born to Jacob, 14 persons in all. The son of Dan was Hushim, the uh, sons of Naphtali, uh, and it lists them all there. Uh, verse uh, 25, these were the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter, and she bore these sons to Jacob, seven persons in all. Verse 26, all the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt uh, who came from his body, besides Jacob's sons, wives, were 66 persons in all. So they've got a group of people there, and all their names are written there, uh, and or, or uh, they're mentioned there. Verse 27, and the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two persons. All the persons of the house of Jacob uh, who went to Egypt were 70, including uh, Joseph's family. Now, verse 28, then he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen. And, and, and they came to the land of Goshen. So he chose Judah to be the one to go ahead and, and now lead the group. He's taking more of a leadership role. Verse 29. So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen and went to his father Israel. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept, uh, and wept on his neck a good while. So many years lost, so much missed. And uh, these guys are in no hurry to let each other go. I mean, literally the last time they saw him, Jacob had sent him out to go check on his brothers. And they come back with a bloody, ripped-up tunic and say, yeah, Joseph's no more. He got eaten. We don't even know where he is, but we found his, his jacket, Dad. And now, after all these years, they see each other. They meet when they meet in, at, the, at the land of Goshen. Uh, Joseph made ready his chariot, it says, and went to Joseph. And when he sees his father, <clears throat> he knows which one his dad is. It didn't, he wasn't, it didn't have to go, oh, so which one's dad? And his dad knew who his son was. And they see each other and they fall on each other's neck. I love here that it says a good while. They fell on each other's neck for a good while. There's that, that long embrace. My, uh, Jen and I often tease um, one of our nieces, who is uh, actually two of our nieces, are very, when they give a hug, it's like a, hand on shoulder and like head leaning in. And it's like a tap like that. Madison 
like by osmosis from our cousins got it too. Maddie's not a big hugger. So my family, when Maddie was growing up, my uh, they would just grab a hold of Maddie. And um, my uh, uh, sister-in-law would <laughs> grab Maddie and wouldn't let her go until Maddie squeezed hard enough, right? There's something about a hug, right? There's something about a hug just like, you know, I love you, you know. And, and they're just, you know, I don't know what it is. But Maddie, even when she says goodnight to us, even now still, she'll tip her head because she knows I'm going to kiss the top of it. And, uh, and she'll kind of give us a little tap, whatever, that's her thing. But there are times where it's just a fall on somebody, right? You guys have had those times where maybe you lost a loved one or there's something that happened and it's a different embrace, right? This is that embrace that these guys will never forget in their lives. They never thought they'd see each other. You know, there's that, you know, Joe, Joseph's probably in prison, you know, being dejected and, you know, wait a minute, that guy forgot all about me. Did I Did I understand? Maybe there was a time in Joseph's life where he just said, am I ever going to see my dad again? You know, and, and Joseph uh, and, and Jacob already thought Joseph was dead. Now it, it's like my son who I thought was dead is alive, right? That, I mean, can you get more intense of a, of a, of a, of a greeting than I thought you were dead? I've had a situation where uh, a loved one, was thought to be uh, gone. And then we found out they weren't. And the joy we had, like, oh, we misunderstood something. Oh, okay. That was that was quite a day. <laughs> that was quite a day. And, you know, just trying to, like, immediately sort through, okay, what, what happened and all those things. I won't get into specifics. But it, it was pretty crazy, you know. And to know, oh, wait, they're okay. They're okay. They're, you know, that was, it was just a blessing. So they have this embrace that they'll never forget. Verse 30, and Israel said to Joseph, now let me die since I have seen your face because you are still alive. His heart, it's like that fulfillment in him. And he's like, you know what? I'm ready to die. You know, he, he's just ready to go. He's at that point in his life. He's 130 years old. You know, he knows at some point I'm just going to go. And what he's saying is, is I could go right now and I'm, I'm content. I'm okay. I've seen you. We've laid eyes on each other. Verse 30. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, my brothers and those of my family's, my father's house who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds for their occupation uh, has been to feed livestock and they have brought their flocks, their herds and all that they have, so it shall be when Pharaoh calls you and says, uh, what is your occupation? Then you shall say, your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth even till now. But we are also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So Joseph's given him an intel briefing, right? Uh, they're they're kind of learning. Okay, what do we what do we need to know? Joseph's saying, okay, now that we're all together and they've all had the chance to hug and everything, he's like, hey, I got to go back to work and I got to go let Pharaoh know that you guys are here. So when I do and I take you with him, you need to tell him uh, these. So he's preparing them and he's giving them specific instructions and information. Uh, and what he's saying is, is you need to explain to him that that uh, you care for sheep, that you're a shepherd. And he's not going to ask you to stay there. He's not going to want. But now think about it. You know, as a businessman, Egypt, uh, uh, Pharaoh would want more of Joseph's around, right? 
You know, you ever heard a boss say, hey, if there's any more of you or uh, if there's any more, you know, they that they're blessed. And, uh, you know, when somebody who has really been a good employee, they're like, oh, we're going to we're, we're going to feel that when that, those people come along. Man, I, I remember talking to my uncle uh, who recently passed away, but he said when he moved from Maine down to Maryland and he's in doing construction and uh, he went in for his interview. He's like, I'm from Maine and everything. And they're like, whoa. You're from Maine? Yeah, you're hired. Let's go. Every person from Maine that they had hired had, was a hard worker. And they're like, we need more of you. Yes, just come on. So Joseph is trying to keep his family together in Goshen. <laughs> so he's telling them, just tell them you guys are, are, are shepherds here, and he's not going to want anything to do with you. You're going to be able to just stay here. And they were. They were tending the flocks and everything. He's just saying, hey, you may not want to bring out all your talents and everything. Just tell them. Just do what I tell you to to do and you're going to be fine. He knew his boss better than they would, right? Um, I remember in, in basic training, uh, there was uh, anybody who's been uh, in the military or been in any type of, uh, uh, you know, criminal justice academy, any type of thing where uh, you learn, and I was told before I went, don't volunteer for anything, right? <laughs> because you don't know what's going to happen, right? You know, hey, does, uh, does anybody, hey, who likes bowling? Great. Well, guess what? You're going to clean the toilet bowls, right? You know, there, there are those things you just learn. You don't raise your hand. You just kind of you, you when you graduate from there, you don't want your your instructor to know who you were. That's the way it was for even though I had for uh, face to face conversations. He still couldn't even say my name right. Still call me. It called me sire all the time. I'm like, sure, whatever. You know, as long as you don't know who I really am, then I'm good with it. And I wanted to graduate, but I don't volunteer. So what Joseph is doing here is he's just saying, hey, guys, here, this when Pharaoh speaks to you, this is how you're going to respond. Okay, this is what you're supposed to do. Verse 1, Genesis 47. Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, my father and my brothers, their flocks and their herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan. And indeed, they are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And you, no doubt there's like a, a look, right? <laughs> there's a, remember what I told you? Anyways, uh, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds, uh, both we and also our, our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to dwell in the land because your servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, uh, then make them chief herdsmen of my livestock. See? See the recruiting line right there? 18 years in recruiting. I saw the recruiting line when I read that. Hey, you find some good guys to work? We'll put them right here. Make them chief. Now we'll give them a prominent, uh, prominence in, in my kingdom because he knew what type of people they were. So as Joseph had prepared them uh, when they were speaking with Pharaoh, they did and you know, uh, it's it's no uh, surprise that he would want more like Joseph and that they would be put in prominent uh, positions. Now, uh, just remember, Pharaoh, uh, he had a few chiefs, right? The chief baker, uh, the chief butler. 
maybe Joseph might have been. I don't know. I don't know Joseph's mind, but maybe he's thinking, hey, guys, let's, let's just, just be normal dudes. Go to Goshen, mind your business, and just work on a low thing here. You're not going to want the chief positions, believe me. I knew two guys. I now I ended up knowing one, right? Maybe that was a conversation. I don't know. But uh, I, I, I like to look at those, into those things. But anyway, verse 7. Then Joseph brought his in his father and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Now, like I said, Pharaoh was the one that would usually do the blessing, right? Uh, it's and, and what we see here is a an old man coming in. Now, remember... Uh, Jacob walked with a limp after he wrestled with the Lord. And here he is. He's coming in. He's an old man. And the first thing he does when he gets in the presence of Pharaoh is, is bless him. And uh, Pharaoh said to Joseph, uh, to Jacob, how old are you? <laughs> right. And uh, Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years, few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. Uh, Abraham was 175, and I think, um, I, I can't remember how old uh, Isaac was when he passed. Like, I'm going to say 160-something. Uh, but he, didn't, he wasn't that old. So he's saying, I've had uh, these years, but they, they're not as old as these guys. Uh, so Jacob blessed uh, blessed uh, Pharaoh and went out from before him. Now, when he's asked how old he was, he says 130 years old. And then he says, few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. That's pretty rough to hear. Few and evil. You know, that's that's tough. He said, you know what? I've walked a tough road. You know, physically, you've seen. But he's been through some stuff, hasn't he? He has done some things. He's deceived people. He's taken advantage of people. He's done wrong things. He's had, you know, Laban did some things wrong to him. You know, he wronged his brother. Then his sons deceived him and and wronged him. You know, he's had, he, I mean, oh, looking over at some some pretty significant milestones in his life. And he says, although, and he says here the days of the years. Yeah, the days of the year. I mean, you can't just, we don't just skip years, do we? We go through them one after the other, after the other, after the other. And he says, you know what? They were hard days that turned into years and 130 years. All the stuff I went through. And uh, that's a tough admission. You know, when, he, when he's standing there, he, he blesses Pharaoh. Pharaoh asks a question, he answers it. And then Jacob blesses him again. And he went out from before Pharaoh. But what he had to share was, my life's a pretty sad story, but I'm just going to bless you. <laughs> maybe Pharaoh's like, no, really don't, right? Because of what he's been through in his life. I don't know. But uh, you know, we know that he was there. He blessed him, uh, made a pretty tough admission here, uh, and then he blesses him and leaves. Verse 11, Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt uh, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, and as Pharaoh had commanded. Then uh, Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's house with bread according to the number of their families. So here is Joseph ending up being the provider for his family. You know, no doubt remembering his dreams that he had. You know, that his brothers would bow down to him. And his brothers would bow down again and then for his family, that they would be under his governing authority. And now here they are. And 
Joseph has had everything restored to him. Everything taken from him, and now he's got his dad back. Now he's got his brothers back. It might be some that he liked and some he didn't, but he, he's got them back. But he realized, by his own admission, he says, God brought me here. And now he's able to know. Remember, remember what he asked his brothers, like, is my father well? He, I mean, in 45, is my father well? And now he can know his dad's well. He can visit his dad anytime he wants. You know, he can take the day off and go down to Goshen, go hang out with dad for the day, play some cribbage or something, right? Just have that time where you just say, you know, I, I, he has that ability and he has, he's providing now for his family. You know, Joseph has seen a great work happen and the Lord has done an amazing thing in his life. God is so gracious. He is, uh, he is, uh, if we ever think we understand God, <laughs> we don't, <laughs> you know, uh, we, uh, just how good he is, how, how full his grace is, how, how full his love is for us. You know, we, uh, we can't do anything to make him love us more and we can't do anything to make him love us less. Right. It's his love. God's agape love that, that, uh, that, uh, Joseph understood God had brought him. Joseph didn't sit there and threaten his, like, every single day, like, hey, you know, <laughs> remember, remember what you did? Remember who I am now, right? He, he wasn't hanging that over their heads at all. He removed all of that. And, guys, there's, there's a lesson in there with him saying that to his, to his brothers, saying, you know what? All this stuff that happened, God was in control. You thought you were doing all these things. God was actually placing me where he wanted me. So we, there are lessons of, you know, God may put us in situations and in places that we don't understand. Trust him. That, that when we uh, finally uh, get to that point, we don't start pointing and, you know, you know, thumbing our noses at anybody saying or hanging anything over anybody. Say, you know what? God's grace, his love and his mercy has restored me and has provided for me. Now I'm going to provide for you. Right. There's so much here. Go back and read all this and read it again and read it again. Read, read forward as we will pick up uh, where we leave off here. So we'll pick up in verse 13 next week. But there's so there's so many things in just uh, in here. Just pray and ask the Lord. Just, you know, God, show me, show me more of you and and who you are and, and continue to build me. Change me. Oh, he's so good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we learn of your provision, your love, your grace, your grace providing, your grace changing hearts, saving lives, restoring a family, reuniting lost ones, ones that have been away for a long time. Many of us have family or friends that are divided or family that we haven't seen, Lord. We pray that you would open doors that we might be reunited with them, be able to share your gospel with them. God, thank you for the work that you do in our lives that we don't see or don't understand. Help us to trust you as you work. You've, there's nothing that you've ever demonstrated in your word or in our lives if we have an honest look at it that would lead us to uh, questioning you, but only understanding more as we look at who you are and know your character that you are working. Help us to love you, follow you, and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.